All right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Daily Dots. Chase here with you on Thursday, December 14th. Um, if you were tuning in for another love letter from Zach to the Fed, you're going to have to, you'll be sorely disappointed. It's going to be just me today. Um, I'm going to, of course, run through the markets, how those ended up. And then um, there's three things I kind of want to talk about today. And that's going to be the chances of a soft landing, oil, and Japan. Um, to get into the markets, the S&P finished up 0.26. Uh, the Qs I'll use finished just a little bit negative. Regular NASDAQ up was a little bit more, the composite. Um, small caps up 2.78%. But notably for small caps, they, they kind of hit a big horizontal level that's made like a giant rectangle for years. Um, kind of hit that and slowed down today. So it'd be kind of interesting to keep an eye on how that kind of goes moving forward. Uh, Magnificent seven was up about 0.1.2, something like that um, combined. Those were interesting today. Tesla had a huge up day. Um, Apple and Nvidia were down at one point and closed, closed green. Um, Microsoft's chart actually starting to look a little weird. Um, Amazon was down on the day, but honestly looks fine. And then Google and meta um, both down about half percent. Uh, as far as yields go, those to me were the story of the day because we had hot data came in. Uh, retail sales data came in strong. So did so did import prices. Those came in higher than expected. So you had on the day, good retail sales, higher import costs than expected, oil up 3%. Um, and not, not to mention the fact that Jay Powell yesterday said, hey, look, if you know inflation reaccelerates, we can hike again. That was like the the piece of the press conference just nobody paid attention to. Um, everyone just ran with the good news. Um, but he did say that. And then, hey, if oil keeps going, inflation is going to pick up. Um, not to mention you, you can you can add some um, economic you know health back with things like housing with if rates keep moving lower. Um, but on the day, the two year was down about four basis points. The ten year about ten, and the thirty year thirteen. Um, because those kind of faded, you know, that data, data that a month ago would have had us up 20 instead of, you know, down of 13. Um, one thing it tells me is everyone has just decided we're having a, a soft landing and a cutting party. Um, and they're just going to put their fingers in their ears. But it also tells me there's a good chance some big leverage players that had, you know, massive amounts of bond shorts, maybe CTAs, whatever the case may be, um, probably finally having to just puke out their bond shorts. Um, so I think it's a combination of both, but it was notable to me that on a day where you would expect bond yields to maybe be up a little bit, they were still down big. Um, so something to think about moving forward, uh, gold and silver both had pretty decent days thanks to the same thing. And the dollar itself was down as I look at it now here, um, about an, almost an hour after the close, we're down 0.9%. So another massive down day for the dollar and this because, uh, the ECB did not come out and try to one up the fed or even come close. They just said, look, we're not, the fed might be talking about hikes. We're not even talking about, uh, cuts rather. We're not even talking about cuts. So that made the Euro spike and the dollar fall down. Um, so that's really it for the markets. The, the things I kind of wanted to hit on. So the, the three topics I'll, I'll touch on is soft landing. Number one, um, so we, we've been saying on the show for a while now, the, the only way you're going to get a soft landing is if the Fed goes out and cuts before anything bad happens and cuts a lot um, and cuts fast. So now that it look, you know, we're pricing in cutting starting in March 
and nothing, you know, the, the, is the economy slowing down and all that? Sure. Is it like in a recession or look, looking like, you know, it's definitely going to be in one, especially with, you know, financial conditions having loosened up as much as they have here lately? Probably not. It's still, it's not, it's not possible, but I would say probably not given the current backdrop in the next quarter, two or three months, especially. Um, so given that, you, I think you have to take the odds of a soft landing from what I had at real close to zero up to at least something like 20%. So that's sort of my my new framework is like, okay, maybe they can thread this needle if they, if they have the guts to cut before anything bad happens. But on the flip side, they're, you know, just them saying, you know, hey, we're going to start cutting has, has markets so excited that it's probably going to boost, you know, economic activity and prices, which kind of takes the the handcuffs back out and tries to put them on the fed to keep them from cutting so it's like a weird cat and mouse situation a weird feedback loop that um, has to kind of get interrupted at some point for us to really figure out how it's going to go because as it stands um, if markets keep ripping people are going to spend a bunch of money in the first quarter it probably is going to help growth stabilize Um, here just in the last few days the atlanta fed's gdp tracker for the fourth quarter has gone from 1.2 to 2.6 so you see hot hot retail sales come in. They have to pump up their fourth quarter growth expectations. So just since j kind of had a pivot party, we've now had hot retail sales. We've upgraded our GDP expectations for the fourth quarter. We've had oil prices up, I don't know, probably 5%, 4% since he, since he talked. So um, not, not a great backdrop if you want to see... Um, you know, reasonable weakness in the economy and, and demand to stay somewhat subdued and growth below trend. Um, so that's going to get very interesting moving forward. But the last thing I'll say on this whole soft landing thing is um, you could have what really feels like a soft landing for six months, but then just the fact that rates are still at, you know, call it four, um, is just enough to have people refi into much higher rates. Um I, I think we, and we've talked about this a lot, so I won't beat the dead horse, but the higher rate environment is still going to be present at three and a half, four percent, however you want to look at it, even after cuts. Um, a lot of people will have to roll debt into that, and it's going to be, um, you know, more interest coverage ratios. Um, the amount of people, the amount of money people will pay, you know, in interest as a percentage of their income, effective mortgage rates, effective corporate debt rates, like all this stuff is still going to move higher. Um, I think, I feel like rate hikes didn't do much because no one had to pay them hardly. Um, so I think people just assume, you know, that that's just because the economy is really strong, but in reality, it's just because that conveyor belt of monetary policy is really slow. Um, but that, that belt's going to keep running and it's going to keep people refining higher. So I, I feel like you could have a lot of people get really confused by the fact that uh, the economy doesn't like go on a on a on a really big run just because you're cutting rates. That it could be the opposite of the last year, where you know the economy was super resilient despite the fact that we had the, all these rate hikes. And it could be the, kind of the the polar opposite, where the economy isn't that resilient despite the fact that you're having rate cuts. And I don't, I haven't heard too many people kind of making an allowance for that. And it's in, it's at least something worth you know considering and exploring, in my opinion. Uh, the second thing I wanted to talk about, and I kind of alluded to it there, but is, is oil. Um, we had a pretty decent storage report for the first time in what feels like a while on Wednesday. And that kind of got the market moving higher. And we had a solid day today up over 3%. Uh, so all of a sudden, you know, I, I like to keep an eye on the December of the next 
um, the kind of not not like once we get into like October, I move into the next year and I start looking at the next year's December price. Um, it, it really gets a lot of noise out of the way and helps me kind of see a little bit more signal into prices or prices like like oil, those kind of markets. Um, and that looked like it was going, ready for a nasty breakdown two days ago. And now all of a sudden it's recovered, you know, it's uptrend and stayed above it and starts to look pretty pretty decent, pretty strong. Um, same with you know oil stocks, uh, oxy, which we own like really looked like it was about to fall out of bed in a, in a major way and hey maybe it still will but now it's all of a sudden kind of re you know reclinging to the old cliff and it's above it um so if that continues and hey like if we were about to go into a recession and maybe we just bought ourselves you know three or four months things like that you know the dollar going down lets the rest of the world outside of the u.s buy more oil and feels a lot cheaper to them all of a sudden um that all could put you know a decent little boost in our oil, and that absolutely will reignite um, headline inflation to an extent. It's make that can make the job of the Fed really awkward. And I talked about this yesterday. I sent and I had a tweet about it yesterday to say I don't think the Fed realizes how much they're anchoring just to the fact just to gasoline prices. Like oil has gone straight down for a while, so that makes inflation look really low. Now you guys know I think inflation is really low in reality, but still, like a lot of that has gotten some help from the oil market. So if the oil market turns around and moves higher, that starts to look a little different, especially um, if the dollar is going to keep moving lower. So you could get into a situation where the data gets better because financial conditions are loose, and oil gets better, and then all of a sudden you have a hot economy and it's, it's probably reaccelerating month over month. You know, headline inflation. All of which at least makes it a little tougher for the Fed to be out there, you know, cutting rates. Um, that doesn't mean they can't, you know, if if the core inflation is just on a steady trajectory back to target, um, maybe they'll just look through it anyways. And and I don't disagree, you know, with Zach that there are some political motivations here. I probably view it as less than he does, but you know, to to think that the Fed isn't thinking at all about you know, the impact they're going to have on the election, I, I think would be naive. I, I think they're, they're, they are and always have been, you know, at least partially political actors, political animals, um, like, like, all, like all of us are, like, like all humanity is. So I, I don't doubt that they would like to make things a little better um, in the next year. But at the same time, their job is to control inflation. So if they have it under control, there's no point in them having rates up at five, five and a half. Um, so that'll be interesting. So I'll be keeping a really close eye on oil. I expect um, the data to improve the way, you know, retail sales did today. A lot of that, you know, it was strong, but it wasn't that strong. It was just a lot better than expectations. Like, as I mentioned yesterday on the show, the bar was just set too low on those expectations. Um, that's it for that. Keep an eye on oil, keep an eye on those financial conditions and what they do to the data in the next couple of months. And the last thing I want to talk about is Japan. Um, something we've, we were invested in for a while earlier this year, something we're, we're, we're kind of looking at doing again. Um, it has a lot of tailwinds. It also, you know, has some unique areas of concern, like every single investment out there. But, um, you know, the U.S. clearly plans to cut rates next year, and it we're at least pricing in the fact that Japan is going to be raising rates next year. So that could really bring those those yield differentials in a lot. It could boost the yen, um, and most importantly, it could bring capital home from. Uh, the rest of the world, especially, I mean, essentially the West, most of the money is in places like the U S Europe, Australia. Um, so 
we already see some of these issues and um you know we haven't seen them in the last few months and everyone disviews everyone forgot all about all the problems with um trying to sell you know u.s treasuries like who cares about who's going to buy them anymore none of that matters because you know hey growth slowed down inflation slowed down like who just just buy them but if inflation kind of can reaccelerate a little bit and if japan does raise rates and money does kind of come back home looking for um better uh fx you know hedging adjusted yields then asset prices could really um keep moving higher in a, in a meaningful way in japan the, the currency could move higher in a meaningful way um in japan and that that won't just have implications in japan they will be very global implications um to include in the u.s because they've held um, a lot of stocks and bonds in, fr- from the U.S. So if they take a significant amount of that money home, it kind of puts a little pressure on those things. Especially, I would think you know, uh, treasuries because that those already have a bit of a supply and demand um, issue. So that just would exacerbate it. And it's not like the the issuance is going to get smaller anytime soon. So I I still have hey we we've had a lot of duration bets on and it's been wonderful for us um, here lately as as bond yields have come down, but that's something we you know we're looking at dialing back and hedging now because um a it's just it's just probably a little bit overdone in the very near term um but also hey if oil goes up if if us economic data goes up if uh japan is able to do enough with monetary policy fiscal policy animal spirits by giving people raises for the first time in 40 years etc um that could suck out some of the some of the flows and the support um, that we've all just grown accustomed to in that same last, you know, 20, 30, 40 years, um, coming out of Japan. So those are the three things I wanted to talk about and touch on. I, I think they're all going to be really fun to, to keep an eye on here moving forward. Um, and that's all I have for today. Um, we won't have the dots tomorrow as always, but we will have the, uh, normal know your risk radio show, uh, with Zach tomorrow. So tune in for that and cheers. And we'll see you guys next week. Don't forget to download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.